Welcome to episode number 13 of the WIM podcast. That's WWIM podcast. Our guest today is the intelligent, beautiful, talented, generous, inspirational, strong. I can't say, oh, hold on. I just had a technical issue. I can't say enough good things about you, Amy T. Um, Thank you so much for coming on. I'm really excited to have you. You're amazing. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. That was like a, the nicest things that anybody's ever said. So thank you You're so in, much. I mean, I don't know about you, but like since day one, when I met you, we were, I, you know, I, you were so nice to me and you were just awesome and inspirational and you're, you're you as a person and your acting. It's just, awesome. I appreciate that. Thank <laughs> you very much. So share with our listeners what, you grew up in Massachusetts, correct? I've lived in Massachusetts my entire life, um, and I've lived in Haverhill my entire life. I never got never got out of Haverhill. Um, yeah, and uh, still there. And uh, next week will be twenty years of doing stand up comedy. Wow, just blowing my mind. <laughs> like, how did that happen so quickly? <laughs> right. So mm -hmm. what what got you there? You know. Uh, it was one of those things like crossing off my bucket list, I think. And I started in improv and I met a, I met a woman named Esther uh, in my improv class. And she was like, Amy, you got to do stand up. You got to do stand up. And it's always been something inside of me. Like in high school, I would watch like Rosie O'Donnell's VH1 stand up spotlight. Right. The, oh, I'm dating myself. Um, <laughs> right. And I was just like, I would, I remember watching and like, something inside me was like excited about that. And I could feel like it was speaking to my soul, but as somebody that was in high school, that was nearly 300 pounds Ooh. struggling with my sexuality, like, you know, no, no self seem, no self-confidence. Um, and then fast forward about a decade, um, you know, I lost some weight and I was kind of feeling about better about myself, you know, coming into my own skin and then I met this woman, Esther Yako, and she's like, Amy, you got to try stand up. You would be amazing at it. And I kind of piqued my interest. And so we took the class together uh, and it just kind of crossed it off the bucket list. And I, it, she gave me the, the courage and confidence to kind of push me in that direction. And wow. then, uh, yeah, so I took a stand up comedy class at Northern Essex Community College. And my first show was at the Grog uh, on, I think it was May 7th, 2003. Whoa. And the day that I took the stage, I got in that first laugh and I was... I was hooked. I was like yeah. this. It was almost like like the heavens opened and was like, this is what you're supposed to be doing That's uh, with That's your a life. Great feeling. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, there's something inside me. Like I hadn't gotten in touch with like some spirituality and like those kind of things yet. But like I look back and going, oh, yeah, the, the universe was telling me this is this is where you're supposed to be going. Do you remember who taught the class? I do. Dave Radigan. Oh, you know, Dave. Yeah, of course. Nice. Of course. I think I'm like, he taught stand up for many years. I think I'm like one of his success stories. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That stuck with it, I should say. Yeah, I mean, not right. like I'm like this end all be all, but like some, you know, people, you get eight, 10, 15 people in a class. And I taught for many years at uh, North Shore Community College, and not too many people stick with it. Yeah, it's well, it's hard. You got to put, if you really want it, you got to put a lot of effort into it, no matter what you're talking about in life, right? absolutely yeah absolutely and stand up if you don't have the skin then <laughs> it will eat you alive what was that first night like do you remember anyone from that night i do like uh ellen Moschetto. i think you're familiar with her she yes. uh she was in my class and a handful of other people but i just remember i can tell you what i was wearing i the place was packed there the, you know there was like probably 125 130 oh people down the of the grob and it was just, it was like magic, you know, like everybody knocked it out of the park, but there's nothing better than that first time on stage. You know, of course the audience is full of people that know everybody, right? Yeah. So you can't have a bad set. Um, but I just know that, uh, yeah, matter of fact, I opened the show. Dave had me go first. Oh and my God. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. Do you remember your first joke or any of the jokes that you said? I do. I oh. do. Um, before I got uh, into stand-up comedy, I'd always wanted to dream to be in the first white female rapper. Mm -hmm. Feminine. 
<laughs> that was the first joke I ever wrote. Nice. And and went from there. And then I just used a lot of um, life experiences as we did, yeah, you know, right. talking about, you know, losing 130 pounds, you know. You're uh, a great that. storyteller. Thank you. <laughs> and, Thank you. And, and not in, in, and that's long format and the short format. Uh, you're, you're great at sharing in a humorous, not only humorous way, but honest way. And you're not fun to make, you know, you're not afraid to make fun of yourself, which I think is really important and stand up. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, right. Leave the, leave the innocent bystanders out of, the, out of it and just kind of go focus on you. What did um, family and friends say when you started doing this? Were they Super supportive. Yeah. And I don't have a huge family, um, yeah. but, you know, uh, super supportive. And I just kept at it. You know, and I went I went at it hard and like being in the local Merrimack Valley area, my family owned a business so I could pull, you know, customers. Um, hey, I'm performing. So I'd get customers yeah. to come. And, um, and so I was able to pull an audience pretty good, which Dave loved. Right. right uh, of course. <laughs> so I got paid work pretty quickly because I was doing a good job and I could bring an audience um, pretty quickly. And yeah, very supportive. And then uh, I would say stand-up was both the, it was both good and bad for me. Um, I think that was also the beginning stages of, uh, I think mental health was, you know, for many years, I, I just think stand-up and the lifestyle exacerbated it and brought it, brought it to a head quite quickly. Like so, as far as like bringing up fears or bringing up feelings that you didn't want to deal with or? I think that I think um, a grandi. I think because I gained success pretty quickly, uh, Boston Globe named me a rising star. Um, you know, I made I got I made a um, a movie. I made a documentary. Like probably within the first five six years of stand up, I was in a documentary. Boston Globe named me a rising star. Um, I met a lot of um, very well known people in the celeb lesbian community yeah. of stand up, um, very well known people with that. So I think I got ahead of myself. Um, and then the lifestyle of just being in the nightclubs and bars four or five nights a week, um, <laughs> I just exacerbated a, a, a drinking yeah. problem that probably might, probably was already beginning, but it just when encouraged you're in the right it just environment. because of- Yeah. You well, had- I'm, I'm at work. Yeah, right. Well, it was like, that was me for me in college. It was just like, you're around that social scene where drinking and not only just drinking, drinking to excess is just part of it. That's just part of it. And if you're not wired for that, if you're in that environment, <laughs> you're going to be like, awesome. And you know, I don't know about you, but that it, you know, when you're around a lot of people that are excessively drinking it's way easier to be like well I don't have a problem everyone else everyone else is doing it I mean that was definitely <laughs> it like I wasn't the only one so how is it my problem right. or um it was just yeah it just got out of control which then um it's funny I have two baselines of stand-up so I started doing stand-up 20 years ago but I just um celebrated 13 years of recovery so I like have that you know the first seven years of yeah. stand up and then the next 13 of stand up so it's like i have two two baselines because the first you know seven years is i go back and look at tapes um frequently to just kind of see uh, maybe old material that i can pull back or whatever and i don't even like that human i don't yeah. even like the person that was doing those well, jokes it's not, even, which, it's not really you right I it mean, wasn't me yeah it wasn't me yeah it was I, like just a shell a, a shell of you that was going through uh, you know going through something really deep and dark and but you were still going through life I mean you're still <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't know if it was necessarily the good way you know but like you know I, I I married and divorced the same woman twice so I went through two marriages and two divorces in that time um, and then just went balls to the wall across the country while I was promoting the documentary at different film festivals so I was having a good time but not realizing like the trail of destruction that I was leaving and then just ruining like relationships, business relationships, personal relationships, you know, professional relationships, just, just a, a, a dumpster fire. Yeah. And, and that's, that now has hurt the second half of this MET career, right? Because people, they don't have to forgive and they don't have to forget. Um, mm. And right. They don't. Um, yeah. And so, you know, you leave, 
first impressions they last. <laughs> so <laughs> that, I, you know, that, you, that you live true. with that. You'd like, you'd like to think people could be like, could realize, well, that was a different Amy or different Dave or whoever back then going through some stuff, but some things we do, people can't really get over. And that's, that's their and, choice, right? Absolutely. And I have to, you know, you have to have some, there's some humbleness to that. Um, but it also fuels that staying in recovery and yeah. staying in the person that I've become over the last 13 years, recognizing that I don't want to provide that kind of hurt and pain and chaos again. And so it also like, for me, it's also like, I want to show them that, yes, I was that person, but it wasn't for nothing. Like I was going through something. So it does. It makes me just continue to be a better person and stay in my best health so that, you know, you can just show that you're de that you're not that same person, right. you know? What was, can you share that last time you drank, what that was like? No, it's ugly. Um, <laughs> I... I was going through another breakup with uh, somebody that I was very much, uh, it, you know, my heart was in it and I was going through a breakup because of my, my, my drinking and my behavior was whatever. And I had done a show in New Jersey um, the night before. Don't really remember it at all, but I woke up the next morning in a strange New York city apartment passed out in the fireplace. Oh. And I, I just I like literally like balled up in the fireplace. You know, I mean, get, granted, New York City apartments are small. So that's probably where they had room to like stuff <laughs> me. Um, but I just woke up. And at that point, like I was in my mid thirties. My car had just been repossessed. I was $72,000 in debt. Oh, my comedy career was tanking at that point. Like I wasn't I wasn't heading in the direction that I was a couple years prior. Um, and like, I had nothing to show for it. You know, like it was just isolation, humiliation and desperation. And I was financially and emotionally bankrupt. Um, wanted to take my own life and yeah. was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like, like for what? Um, and then recognizing that I probably needed some help, um, you know, then, sought some help with a family therapist friend and we got to the bottom of things. And that was the last time I started uh, going into therapy a couple of weeks before, cause it was getting dark and ugly. And then that last time that I went out to do a show and drank that like, well, this, like something's got to give. Um, and so, yeah, I, I never looked back because it was when I really got honest with it, like, and, and really took like an honest accountability of it. Right. Uh, every time something bad was happening, alcohol was always involved. You know, like, uh, let's see if, uh, you know, my life might not get better, but let me take this out of the equation and see right. what happens. And if it doesn't get better, then that right. wasn't the problem. Right, exactly. Cause you, I don't know if, when, while you were drinking, if you ever did this little, these little mental gymnastics, I would always do this. And it drives me nuts when people, I hear people do this, not drives me nuts, but I was just like, oh God, I wish I could just implant my thoughts into your brain right now. The old, oh, if A happened, I'd be happy. If B happened, I'd be happy. If C happened, I'd be happy, which they're never going to happen because you're in the middle of poisoning yourself. Right. And then, right. you know, you're just fueling, fueling the thing that, I, you know, I, things are bad. So I'm just going to keep them that way, kind of. Yeah, I think for me, I think because like we were, you know, we're in stand up comedy four or five nights a week, you're around it. It's kind of the lifestyle. So it's like, this can't be the problem. This is what we're all doing. <laughs> um, and just not even recognizing that that was not helping the situation. And then like after, you know, um, then recognizing there was a mental health condition on top in of there, yeah. and, you know, like a, right. now it's in there and never mind the alcohol is, is just escalating all of that. So you know, I, I, I do remember like days, like I can look back and be like, oh, I had two drinks and I was fine. Right. And then maybe the week later, those same two drinks blacked me out. And I have absolutely no recollection just because the chemistry wasn't, wasn't right that week, but not knowing that, that, you know, mental health had anything to do with it. And then when I finally, you know, started doing some work on the inside, I was right. like, oh, Jesus, there's right. a lot well, here. There's a lot of layers in here. Alcohol will do that. Alcohol will make sure you can't work on those issues. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Alcohol yeah. will just increase those issues and turn the volume up and, you know, kind of make you realize they're, they're there. 
Yeah. Um, how long after you stopped drinking were you like, I made the right choice? <laughs> it take it's tough. It's, it's a hard decision. Because yeah. I um, remember like people telling me you need to stop eating, and I in my mind could not picture myself never drinking again. You know, I had moments where like I no way I like this stuff too much. I don't know like when it like I knew it was better. Some of it was like out of spite too, because right. so many people were like, you're not going to do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, so like some of it was like spite. Some of it was like trying to get the girlfriend that was breaking up with me back. Um, and knowing that, all right, if I can show that I'm going to be sober, she'll come back and that, that will make things better. Um, but then it just was one day after another, after another that like, yeah, it got, you know, got you got down and dirty in working th through the stuff while it was happening but not drinking certainly wasn't making anything any worse so okay just keep going but some of it was a lot of it was like just some spite and yeah. you tell me I can't I remember friends they sent me it was New Year's Eve the first year I was getting sober it was New Year's Eve and they were like Amy you're not gonna do this can you run to the you know like they just like you're not gonna stick with this and I was like <laughs> I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Like at this point I was probably like eight or nine months sober, you know? And I'm um, like, I'm trying. They're like, will you run to the liquor store and get the champagne for new year's? I was like, I can do that. Uh -huh. But uh, you know, like, yeah, I can. Cause I don't mind being around it. And then, right. um, yeah. And then it just turned into now, like, this is how I live. Like, yeah. uh, now I can't even think about the other one, back. the other person. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, and that I think would happen. I would say I recognize and then I got real spiritual, like I got I started like getting spiritual into Buddhism and like, and then working in therapy and all that mm -hmm. stuff. And then I just started recognizing the gifts that were continuously being given to me. And a couple months after um, I got sober, I was at um, Boston Pride with a friend of mine. And that is where I met my wife. We didn't start, we didn't, like we met each other, but nothing really happened until a few weeks later. But like, there was that instant of like, I saw this other person ordering water at the bar and that's like a weird thing at pride. Like who gets water <laughs> at the bar? And I remember that distinctly making eye contact with them. Fast forward to, you know, here we've been together for 13 years. Wow, um, yeah. So, but I remember like the universe gave me this gift and I knew when I met her and the universe gave her to me, that there's something special about her and I didn't want to um, mess this up. I didn't know what it was. I didn't right. know that it was going to be forever. And I didn't know we were going to be in love. But I knew that this relationship, friendship or whatever, this other human was special. And I didn't, I didn't want to taint it yeah. with any kind of, so it just, and her support system, right? Like right. she, all of that. She's, like, a, she's a nurse, right? She's a psych nurse. Yes. Psych <laughs> nurse practitioner now, Dave. She just, she just graduated and she's wow. now an MP. So she's like, she's pretty badass. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So that must have been, so not only were you transforming yourself personally, but professionally as a stand-up, that must have transformed your act big time, right? I mean, you weren't talking about your drinking problems while you were going through them on stage. <laughs> no, but like I had to do some writing now yeah. because the per those jokes now just don't fit right. inside yeah. here. That's not you. Um, yeah. yeah, like they didn't feel good to talk about anymore. They just weren't relevant. And also it took me a while to get back on stage comfortably. Yeah. Um, Cause not so much, it, was a, it wasn't about being around the alcohol. It was now people are talking to me and I had a social anxiety problem that I didn't know existed because mm -hmm. I was always self-medicated. <laughs> so like, I'm the life of the party. And now I'm not, now I'm like, my skin is crawling. You're coming, like too much was happening too fast. People are talking to me. I'm like anxious. I'm like, you know, at the, edge of autism you know in a show I'm like I gotta get out of here like so it took me a while to like get comfortable to perform again also to start writing again and then what do you do as a comic you write about what you know yeah all right let's come out with let's come out with the mental health and substance use like I'm not I'm not afraid to talk about it like yep I did these things and I'll make it funny because it also was healing for me yes you know uh, you're, it was so, you're so genuine with your delivery Amy like that's like when I see you on stage, I'm like, that's, that's just you. That's just you. You're not putting on an act. No. You know I mean? Yeah. It's just you being you. And it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You, you come over my house. It's the same person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So do you remember the first time you shared some of those recovery stories on stage, what that was like and the reception? 
I remember like I remember saying it out loud the very first week because I uh, then following this was a Friday night was my last drink um, and then the following Friday I used to host a show every month uh, down in Salisbury at the Hobo Cafe and that following like so that was guaranteed like I had to go do it and I remember saying it out loud um, I'm like so I haven't had a drink in a week and just I think holding myself accountable without realizing that's what I was doing, but just kind of talking about it and um, putting it out there. And I had, I remember having another comic on, on stage and they were like a decade in and that wasn't something that they really talked about, but they they came over and they were like, aim, you could do this. It's going to be the best thing that ever happened to you. Um, And I'm like, okay. So like that to me was a whisper, like I'm heading in the right direction. Um, And then starting to talk about it, and then right after, like fast forward a year later, I started to get involved in the National Alliance of Mental Illness. Cause once I re- recognized I was, you know, was diagnosed with a mental health condition, I'm like, what does this even mean? How's that, what, is, what does this mean? I don't even know. So I started Googling and now I'm dating a psych nurse, right? So I'm Googling and I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, holy, like if I've been living my life like this for 35 years and not realizing something was wrong, oh, how many people out there are like that? not knowing. And so I got involved with the National Alliance of Mental Illness. Uh, I started speaking for them because now I have a platform background of stand-up comedy and I know how to make this horrible thing. I can make this funny Funny. and I can make it relatable and I can make it a little bit more palatable for people to hear and understand and And connect with. Yeah. It's like a backhanded way of education. And Then I started doing that with my stand-up. So it like naturally progressed to like writing literally about what's happening to me, but kind of giving that backhanded way of educating people and trying to reduce some stigma. Um, you know, some cheap applause breaks, right? Like, oh, 13 years sober and get like a big applause. Like, don't don't reward me well, for what I'm supposed to do, but I'll take it. <laughs> well, that's that's the thing. What I love about our generation is we were not really that we were taught, but when we were younger people were crazy. People were, you know, you didn't really talk about it, but the more you talk about something, the less power it has. Right. I've always said like, it's, and it's Mm -hmm. so true. And now these things have names, not just crazy. They have names, you know, like the kids, the special ed kindergarten students that I work with back in the fifties and sixties, they would have just been put off to some institution for the rest of their lives probably. But now they Mm -hmm. have, you know, a diagnosable, you know, they're on the spectrum somewhere or you know, whatever issue it is they're dealing with. It has a name and we know mm-hmm. strategies to deal with it. Right. Um, similar to what you're, you're like, Oh wow, this thing has a name and now I'm going to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Like I wanted to know like everything about it. Like how do I cure it? You yeah. know, like how did I get it? Like how, well, how did this happen? Um, and so I really like kind of got into it and it's like, Oh, you know, this goes, this is actually going back to probably, the you know i can go back to some trauma right yeah. in single single digit age and then yeah. just like like you said like our generation didn't talk about it yeah. and you didn't yeah. um you're supposed to be tough, name. tough be quiet shut up and deal with it and you're you'll you'll get over it suck it up yeah in your own in your own skin right or yeah, yeah and you know whatever so <laughs> and uh, that's nothing against our parents generation like they they, they did their best with what they knew they did the best they could. You're right, Dave. Yeah, uh, I've I've done a lot of healing with that, Dave. They did the best they could. Uh, <laughs> but I think about it now, and that's like one of the messages that I say a lot. That like, and and I don't think I think you know this. Um, but I work with individuals with dual diagnosis in a recovery program, and when they like they're nervous, right? They don't want to talk about. It, or they're ashamed of it, and I was like, stop giving it power. If you're afraid of it, then other people are going to be afraid of it. If you just act and live your life, right. you know, the best you can and and recognize that you're at, you can go to the grocery store and you're not, nobody's going to care. But the, right. the more you give that fear power, the more that's going to per- perpetuate. And so like, yeah, like I walk out, I don't have any problem talking about what I am and who I am right. and what I have because I'm not ashamed of it. Right. And if people see you ashamed or acting like all, you know, all this is who I am kind of this and I can't be quote normal out and then they're going to feed off of that with you. But if you're right. walking around, like I'm a person, I also have this little thing, but you know, we'll deal with it. It'll be okay. Then they'll right. have the similar attitude. Not one all in four, time, right? One in four. <laughs> yeah. Like I always say like that one in four people are diagnosed with mental illness and like, but I feel like it's one in four people that like, don't realize they have it. 
They yeah. just haven't been diagnosed yet. You know, like it's a small, it's a small statistic. I think most people just don't know they they just haven't been diagnosed yet. I've also said there's probably a high percentage of people that are against therapy. Those are the ones that probably should be in therapy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the other stigma too, is like if you need help or if you have mental illness, you're weak. And that's, yeah. that's just got to change. Right. Like illness is illness, no matter if it's a physical, mental, like your brain is your part of your body too. And that can also be sick. Yeah. But I think, I think we're doing a good job though. Like you're right. Like it's starting to get better. Um, this it's still there. Cause I'm, I'm still working with it. Um, but it's still there, but you're right. Like it's okay. Just cause I don't have a cast on my arm. Doesn't mean I don't need help. You know? <laughs> and it's hard. It's hard to ask for help too. Not, not, yeah. easy, not easy to, to admit, Oh, I can't do this myself. I need, I need someone else to, to help me along here. It's funny. Uh, I'll be, this is my new thing. Like at the end of 2022, I was trying to work on being more vulnerable. So I'll share with you, like, so because I have the diagnosis and because I work in recovery and I'm trying to be the model person, right? Like I can't, I felt, I never felt like I could not be okay. Right. Like if I'm not okay, how right, am I, then how am I gonna, <laughs> right. And so I think like, uh, I put on a shield of like, I am, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then I actually wasn't. Yeah. You know, and, and I was and like, the other okay. thing, the other thing, Amy, that it's hard for me to remember too, is like, you can be in recovery and still take, take a really, you know, take one of those nosedives. Like we're all, we all have bad days. Right. right. And yeah, yeah, I was, I wasn't willing to admit it and nor was I willing to reach out and yeah. ask for help. Yeah. Because I just felt like, how am I supposed to like take a, a mental health day or, you know, a break yeah. when I'm the one, because I felt like I'm the one that's supposed to have this shit together <laughs> or stop. Sorry, Dave, stuff together. Right. <laughs> what are your, do you, are you like me? Do you have like a set of like, like mental Jedi tricks? Like when you, when kind of your mind gets into the, that negative space that you have to like remind yourself. I mean, for me, it's like, I can't do everything yeah. and like okay. not absorbing everybody else's stuff. So if you're working, yeah. Oh, with, God, you know, yeah. so you're, you're empath to the 12th degree. Like I just had like, I'm, you know, at, the, at one point over the last couple of years, I had like 22, 24 people that I was, you know, supporting and oh that's just, God. and so I was, and that was too, too much somehow. <laughs> I was working two full-time jobs, trying to juggle comedy. We're in the middle of a pandemic, yeah. uh, you know, like, I was stretched too thin and I, you know, and that's it. I was burning the candles at both ends and it, it was, it was starting to go out and um, just trying to be like, no, I can do everything. I got it. I, you know, this person needs help. I, and I'm like, yeah, actually I'm not going to be any good if I don't <laughs> take a, take a, take a beat, you know? Right. right. That's, you know, when you spread yourself too thin, you got to realize you're not actually helping anyone or you're I wasn't helping myself. That's what I'm sure. Yeah. What was the, um, speaking of the pandemic, what was like that like for you as far as the stand up? Cause stand up just kind of halted. Yeah. You know, for me, I, I didn't like believe it for a minute. Mm. Right. And then like they were, they're doing zoom shows and I'm like, I'm not doing zoom shows. And then I was like, you know, a few more months go into it and I'm like, Oh, this is the way we're going. <laughs> so you need to wrap your head around this. Um, I'm fortunate that I live on the border of New Hampshire and I don't know if you know this COVID didn't happen up there. Oh, so they're still doing uh, shows. <laughs> they were still doing shows. Um, we got creative though, right? Like we were doing, yeah. you know, parking lot, we put tents out in parking yeah. lots, be out in golf courses and stuff. Um, so I was able to work fairly steady and do some zoom stuff. Yeah. Um, but then at that point is when the recovery community was at a loss because right. now they can't go anywhere so yeah, now I'm like, right so I was like enmeshed in that as well but um I feel like I was able to it's funny I had like a like a real struggle because my wife worked in the hospitals during COVID and here I am going out into the world doing comedy like should I be bringing people out to do shows but like so we would have back and forth conversations about that you know um but like I need that I need that for in here, right? Because it, this doesn't work if, <laughs> if, if this, you know, the tank isn't full. Yeah. Um, 
so I, I, I was very fortunate to stay working enough to just, you know, once, twice a month, three times a month or something just to keep, keep this full. Keep it going. Keep it going. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like things are kind of back to normal now as far as shows and going out places, which is nice. I would say, I would say in the last year, I, yeah, maybe like November-ish, I noticed a shift. Yeah. And like, yeah, the places were full, like New Year's Eve was packed. I'm like, okay, I feel like people are just going to adjust to what's going on. And yeah, the shows that I've been at have been pretty successful over the last few months. So it feels like we're getting back. feels like people want to be out laughing. And uh, most of the teachers I work with are, we're just like, we don't care. <laughs> like, we don't care. We're just, we're going to teaching unmasked. We need to be unmasked in front of these kids. We're just going to do it. If you get sick, you get sick. At least that's my Dude, I yeah i think we're like living with it now um <laughs> yeah i know i remember trying people like wanting to do shows and they're like oh you need to wear a mask at the show and then i would just be like that's not gonna work for me because you need to see you need you need to see the comic space yeah yeah, yeah like so i'm not gonna be masked on stage so thank you but like we'll get there uh, <laughs> i can appreciate i also found it hard to perform to people that were masked right because like they might be Can't laughing but they're right. not getting any yeah. So there was like, I don't it know, it's thick and just skin in a different way. Yeah, it's the same in school. Like, it's night and day. Master on master is night and day when you're doing a comedy show or you're dealing with six-year-olds. You yeah. you need that face-to-face. Yes. That face-to-face. And I found that, like, even with the recovery, like, working with my individuals, oh. supporting, yeah. when we were masked, like, yeah. we were just missing, like, you know, even if you were trying to, like, joke with them, you were missing, yeah. like, stuff, uh, and a lot was just getting lost in translation. That's how I decided I, I needed hearing aids, too. Like, I got hearing aids during the pandemic because oh, wow. people were masked. Okay. I couldn't hear you. <laughs> I couldn't read your lips anymore. I was like, oh, shoot. And it's been over, it's been three years now. That's the other crazy thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely different. That's the other crazy So you are an inspirational recovery and mental health advocate and stand-up comic how many like you do you don't just do stand-up though you do the corporate gigs you do pretty much any you do um fundraising shows you do pretty much that's the other great thing about your brand of comedy amy is you can take your hilarious story inspirational hilarious story and you put it in different like you do, you've done schools too, right? You do pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I'll go anywhere that, yeah. Hospitals, schools. Um, next month I'm working, uh, I'm doing a show like mental health month is busy yep. for me. Right. So I get to do a lot of like stuff, like whether it's for NAMI or I'm going to hang high school to st- talk to the kids about mental health. Um, I'm doing a corporate gig for a pharmaceutical company for mental health. And so like, there's a lot of opportunity to raise the awareness. And then like, even when I'm doing straight stand-up shows, somebody hears some of those jokes and they're like, Oh, Hey, you know, this might, this might work. So it's, it's been nice to be able to do both. Um, what would you say are you, when, you know, you said during the pandemic, you had like 20 something people coming to you for, for support, which totally makes sense, right? People who have been through a lot and are very kind and smart, people are going to seek them out when they're dealing with issues. So it actually makes a lot of sense that a lot of people came to you. What are, do you? What are your like usual? Do you have like bits of advice that you constantly like? I find myself like constantly saying the same stuff to people when they come to me with issues. Are you? Uh, it's funny because when the pandemic hit, right? Yeah. Um, and people like didn't know what to do. What do you mean yeah. I can't leave my house? I'm like, this is horrible. <laughs> this is the worst thing that ever happened to me. I was like, oh, I've done this already. I, I was, <laughs> right. Yeah, right. I've already been through this. Um, so this is nothing. This little pandemic thing, I can get through this. So I feel like the actual pandemic itself and the the obstacles that that was for us as a society didn't affect me because I was like, because you've been through way worse, way right? worse, <laughs> way worse. So being able to reframe it. Yeah. So like for me, it's I I. I like, I feel like I know, like, uh, yeah, I feel like like the individuals I work with, like think I'm corny because it's constantly like, you got to turn it around, like reframe it, you know, you got to make lemonade. Like this, like this isn't happening just to you, you know, like stop. You're not the, well, there are cliches that are cliches for a reason because they're true. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
um and i you know i feel like um they just want like a magic pill like this is just gonna fix it and it's like no you gotta put some work into it you gotta make some changes other places and like you know you just stay steady with that same message of like i'm telling you so i I go you may not want to be sober but this isn't helping so how about we try it for a couple of months right and see what it looks like and if it doesn't look any better I'm not saying you have to give it up forever, right. but let's try yes. to give it like three months. Right. Let's try to get your meds to work in without being interfered with. Like, let's, um, yeah, like off the top of my head. Yeah, of course you get like canned responses immediately, right? Yeah. Like, here we go. Um, I, I've connected with a lot of people with Crohn's disease online and a lot of them want uh, just doctor, give me that pill and make it all go away. But you got to watch your diet. You got to maybe try one more, you know, more than one kind of medication. You have to exercise. You have to keep mentally healthy as well, or that Crohn's disease is going to rear its ugly head, just like, just like drinking. But like you said, you've got to put the work in. I mean, dealing with chronic anything yes. is not easy. And you, that also chronic also means you have to deal with it every day. <laughs> and right. I've also say this to, to people, Disease, it's in the name. Disease means not easy. So no, it's right there. It's not going to be easy no matter what yeah. you're dealing with. But I feel like, you know, sometimes I feel like people just want, they don't want to do any of the work. They don't want to make one change. It's like, because I feel the same thing with mental health, right? Your diet, your, your movement, like all of those things are going, I'm not saying it's going to fix it, right. but it's not going to hurt it. Right. You know, like, you know, so I get a lot of eye rolls. Like, like, because it's a whole thing, right? Like, if if you're eating like junk and and crap, it's you know your body's gonna feel it. It's gonna manifest. Moving, you're not getting anything. And it's not manifesting just in your body. It's just gonna manifest kind of around you, right? Right. And you know that also goes. You know the people that you surround yourself with. That is that's huge. (laughs) That is huge. Like that was a good inventory I took of was the people that, and it took me a long time to recognize some of the ones that had been in my life for so many years um, that were not helpful, but they were what I knew. Right. Uh, So like you grieve those friendships, you know, family, whatever it is. um, And like, yeah, so I'm very protective of my energy. So like, be responsible for the energy it brings into the world is like my personal model. So yes. like, I want to make sure that I'm always projecting a good energy because I never want to make somebody else have a bad day because I'm in a bad mood. Exactly. So like you make my coffee wrong. I'm just going to buy another coffee. Like, exactly. like I don't not- think you did it on purpose. <laughs> um, so like, you know what, we're, we're just going to stop at the next Duncan's not a big deal. Right. Um, but also like, yeah, people who I surround myself with, I want to make sure that you're, you're filling up my tank and you're not draining my battery. So that was a hard thing to learn. And, and, you know, like we work stand-up comedy is a tough one in that, in that realm because not everybody's like us, Dave. <laughs> so you've got to be, there's some mindful. people that are mean. You just got to be mindful of who you want to spend your time with, you know, three hours at a show is a long time. So who is, uh, who's, who's going to drain your battery or who's going to charge it? That's a that's that's great. Uh, one other thing, one thing I also find myself telling people, I don't know if you've heard this one. If something's if you're going through a hard time or something's bothering you, you ask yourself, will this matter in five years? And if the it's answer is no, then what are you even why are you even spending a second worrying about it? Like, I go shorter, shorter chunks. Like okay. seriously, how big is this gonna yeah. be tomorrow? Like yeah, it, tomorrow. it's probably massive today. I get it, right? Like your phone broke. I understand that. <laughs> But we can actually probably get it fixed in the next 24 hours. Like yeah. it's not the end of the world. So let's, let's take it back a minute. And remember you know? those 20 years we function without phones. Like right. No, they, so the, our individuals, right. They don't, they don't right. understand it. They don't. They, and they, yeah, that, I mean, that's the other thing with technology and just the way society is that instant gratification is so different now than it was in, uh, in, well, when we were kids, Right. For sure. So, yeah, so that, yeah, so I think that's why the pandemic hit certain people harder, because that's all they know, right? Right. Or, or made it worse for them, because they're, like, on social media too much. Like, that was even just something that I did, like, for my own self, was cleaning up the junk that was coming through my feed. Like, this isn't, I don't, 
I don't actually even like you. Why am I following you? <laughs> like, you are I not actually somebody had, I would choose to spend time with. The summer of 2020 was one of my most productive summers. Amazing. Like, well, I, so, you know, self, like, you know, self-discipline is probably the hardest skill to, I mean, and you can be really self-disciplined and then just have a bad day or bad weeks. Right. Mm -hmm. But I gave myself a schedule for that whole summer. I said, all right, you're going to wake up. You're going to have a coffee. Then between uh, nine and 10, you read a book between 10 and 11, you do Spanish lessons on Duolingo. Then you have lunch, then you exercise, then, uh, af then you, then you write a screenplay, then you have dinner, then you write another screenplay. And I couldn't. So at the end of my night, which was like seven or eight, was time to watch a movie, play video games, do do fun stuff. But I could not do that fun stuff unless exercise, Spanish, screenwriting, and reading were all done. That's amazing. Right. That's <laughs> amazing. Like that structure and routine I, is big for me. I wrote two scripts that summer. That, that's fantastic, Dave. <laughs> that's all. Like I try to tell that to my individuals that I support. Like you need to have some structure and routine. Yeah. They're like, I'm not getting anything done. I'm like, you have all this time. You're just wasting it. Yeah. Like, so yeah. let's chunk it into, all right, from nine to 12, you yeah. can do this. From 12 yes. to three, you do this. Like, but easy on paper, but, and that's the other thing. Like you, I'm sure you know, this momentum is so big, like not drink, like May, you actually mentioned May 7th as one of your dates. May 7th is my no drinking day. So nice. Like, <laughs> May 7th, 1995. Like that for those first couple of days, not drinking, like were that hard in that summer and going into my senior year of college and not drinking. But now that this momentum is 20 plus years now, it's like, it's a train that won't be stopped. I mean, it, and it's the same with self-discipline. Like you do just do a little bit each day, then it. Create the habit. It, and then it's just, that's who you are. Then it just right. becomes you, right? Yes. You, Yep. I'm Dave, the writer. I write every day. So I do that. Like I'll like, I'll go to bed and I'll be like, well, you can't call yourself a writer today because you didn't write. That's amazing. <laughs> that's a, yeah, it's, it is. It's I like going to bed, calling myself a writer. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. It's funny. Uh, Candace is, she's always been. Candace, she your wife. Yes. Candace is my wife. Um, she's always celebrated my sobriety, like huge. So the very first year she got me a present, she made a book of all my friends wrote something nice about my first year of sobriety. And then the following year, it was two presents. And then the following year, it was three presents, whatever. So then it's become a game, right? Yeah. So now it's like 13. So this year, it was 13, um, <laughs> 13 years. And so it's been that many presents. Uh, and they're not like, it's not like, it's, some of them are fun. Some of them are pretty, pretty ex extreme. Um, so she was like, she said to me this year, she's like, we got to stop this. This is ridiculous. You know what I mean? It's too many. And I was like, no, you started this. Yeah, and I right. stay sober for the, the only way to stop now. it is for you to drink. And that's not <laughs> She's like, honestly, when I started it, I didn't think we were either going to still be together or you would have lasted this long. <laughs> oh, like, oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> so just for fun. But I got uh, Snoop Dogg tickets for, for this year, right? Where is he? He's going to be at, um, oh, what's the... I'm going to date myself again, but the old uh, Great Woods, which one is that? Tweeter, oh, Xfinity Staple, X Xfinity, yeah. 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 Great Woods, yeah. it's Great Woods. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, oh, wow. So I got that'll Snoop Dogg tickets. That'll be amazing. I know, because nothing says like recovery with like Snoop Dogg. <laughs> but now at this point, like, yeah, it's it's who I am now. I don't drink. I don't even think about. No. I'm not powerless over it. I don't even think about it. Now it's just yeah. a fun game that we've done for years, but uh yeah, it's, yeah, I'm not, I, I'm not a drinker. Yeah, and, right. You that you don't do that. Um, mm -hmm. So recovery for you? Does that? Do you ever go to meetings? I go. To, I take in my individuals to meetings. Uh, okay. I, I did not start out in the rooms. Yeah, uh, I went to one AA meeting the first week I was sober, and I was yeah. like, forget this. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing; it's not for everyone, right? Yeah. And, and um, if it works for you, go ahead. That's why. Yeah, it does work for some people. At that point, for me, it didn't speak to me. Yeah. Um, and so it wasn't until many years later when I started doing recovery coaching and um, peer, peer work that I could see the benefit of it after. I'm like, because I was looking at it from a different lens. I was already sober for, right. you know, six, seven years. So I'm like, oh, I see why this is helpful. It's the community. It's your support network. It's right. the people that you're going to meet. It's the like-minded people that are going to support you to stay sober. So um now what I do, I teach a Dhamma recovery. I, I teach a Buddhist based approach uh, to recovery. And that 
for me, I feel like is beneficial for not only substances, but mental health as well. So, um, but I will support individuals that want to go to meetings. I'm yeah. happy to be there. So the, um, the, you know, the AA has the 12 steps. Does the Buddhism approach have similar, not similar steps, but are there steps? Are there like, what are the pillars of so they have what is called the eightfold path and okay. they do inquiries. So you're living with wise mind, wise understanding, wise speech, wise intention. So it's mostly like your intention into the world. Like, okay. in, you know, you're not speaking to harm. So your speech, um, your intention, you're not stealing. You're not going to, what is, you, how does your behavior affect the world? And, and, and that comes back at you. So being so very, you can't drink because <laughs> your behavior is going to, yeah, well, like, let's take a look at, let's yeah. do the inquiries. How has this harmed you and other people? Like what, so it is kind of like, it's like making, doing step work, but it's called yeah. inquiries and yeah. a little bit more not focused on your drinking, but also your behavior and how. Where's it coming from and what does it do? Exactly. And what are you going to do about it? Basically? Right. <laughs> right. And that works for you and that and you find a lot of people it's helping. Yeah, because with Buddhism, you're, you, you're the you're the power. There's not right. a higher power that's, you're giving it over to, you know, like there's right. not, so you're the one that's in control. Which I, I personally, that's what I like about, you know, I'm, you know, if A works for you and you need to say, I'm, you know, I need a higher power to help me. Great. But like, to me, I, I want the power, like it should be in my control. Like that's right. how I see it too. Yeah. So Dharma and Buddhism puts the control into your yeah. hands. Um, and yeah, I guess it's just different. <laughs> I can do another podcast different styles. On. Everyone has different styles and recovery is different for everyone. Right. And that's very, that's a powerful statement. And it's not linear right. and it looks right. different for other people. Yeah. Like, you know, I work for a, a organization that does harm reduction. So if, if yeah, abstinence isn't, uh, you know, I'm abstinent, that's what works for me. I'm good with that. But if abstinence isn't your goal, right. then let's, let's figure out how it doesn't, you know, ruin your life. Right. Maybe you can go have one glass of wine. Right. Maybe, right. you know, mar you know, marijuana has a lot of medicinal purposes, right. but if it's not, if it's controlling your life, then we got to look right. at it. That's how, how I always, I always measure it. Like if what you're doing is affecting your relationships, your job, your, you know, if your, your life is in disarray because of right. what you're doing, then you probably should not do that. But if you can have a job, have loving relationships function not get arrested not yes. not you know then yes yes <laughs> and i think the, sorry did you watch the netflix documentary about you know different um different approaches to therapy with you know like mdma for ptsd and stuff like that yes my program is um we're we're working with ketamine now okay yeah and, i've heard yeah. yeah. So, you know, coming from an abstinence based approach of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Nice. Um, it, I had to wrap my head around like harm reduction. Yeah. What do you mean? Right. Um, and then like now I'm like, OK. And at the end of the day, again, if you're not screwing up your life. Right. I don't care. Or if, or you're, if you're doing better happy, off than you were. Right. Yeah. If you're happier <laughs> if you're, and if healthier. Hill, if you're going up the hill instead of down the hill, then, yes. you, then that what you're doing is kind of good. <laughs> Right. If you're a better member of society, I don't, that's, that works for me. And you're happier and you're healthier. Actually, at the end of the day, I don't care. I don't care what you call it. Like, that's why, like, if I do go to a meeting, it's like, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not an alcoholic anymore. I was. Right. right. I'm in recovery. Because right. I'm in recovery for my mental health. I'm in recovery. I'm in recovery. For I mean, everything. We're all in recovery for being alive, right? Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah and we, we just have well every life is a spectrum of many different things and we're all on a spectrum of many different right. things on <laughs> and i you know and I'll, I'll be honest like i've had to like um you know that's that's work up on me like to change my worldview yeah as well right. you know um so yeah at the end of the day i don't care i actually don't care like i just <laughs> want you to be happy i want you to be healthy I, you know, I want you to live the best life that that works for you without harming other people in the meantime. So right. whatever that looks That's, like, whatever that looks like for you, <laughs> if you're not harming people, have at it. Yeah, absolutely. But I, you know, and I think again, there there's a lot of like mentality that like no, you got to people just have in their mind. No, it's got to be this way. It's got to be you know, people are very narrow in what some people right and like you said mm -hmm. it's getting better some people are very narrow no 
you can't do this, you can't do that. You oh, you can't, you know, you have you have to go to AA. Like you can't, you know, think things like that. Yeah. Just, I, like you said, I think people have more open minds and realize everyone not it's not a cookie cutter situation right i think that's like you know i feel like tiktok has helped that because it was very narrow-minded like if you if you're gonna be sober you only can do it one way and i have you know friends that are like it's the only way you gotta do it amy 90 minutes 90 days you gotta get in the rooms you gotta give yourself over to god and i'm like no i just don't have to go to the liquor store like that's right, yeah. how like so you have some like narrow minded, but I feel like TikTok has actually opened up. Uh, like I do, I follow recovery TikTok, right? Oh, okay. And so, um, opened up a lot more dialogue that it is not linear, that the rooms are not the end all be all getting sober. And so, I feel like that's helped. Um, and then people trying out, you know, dry January, you know, sober, curious October, whatever the hell it is. Um, <laughs> but, Whatever, but like, hey, if you if you can commit to thirty days and see if you can see a change, okay, right, and maybe you will recognize that maybe you know five nights a week isn't working, but two two would be okay. Then that's harm reduction, right? So I like, I like that model, like just better off than you were before. Base is the basic, yes, and then you'll get to the place where you should be eventually if you keep going on that. I mean, and that's and that's the very you know the hardest step usually is the first one too. And yeah. it sounds like the philosophy of that is like, Hey, if we can get you going in that way, even if it's <laughs> just a tiny, <laughs> like you said, I love, um, and what you can't like, what you can't describe too is how uncomfortable it is. Cause you're crawling in your skin. Cause now you're just left with your own head and you're like, yeah. what the, so yeah. you got to get something to get yourself busy. You got to get a hobby. You got to yeah. like, You've got to go out and get something done so that I can appreciate like why the meetings will give you something to do. Yeah. I just don't have to appreciate what they're telling you. Um, yeah. Well, Am, our hour is just about up. So I think. Oh, we my goodness. I did fly I know, by. That would, right. <laughs> We're going to have to do I knew we'd have a lot to talk about. For sure. uh, any last thoughts or I think you mentioned your shows before coming up. Yeah, you know what? Uh, you can find me on experimentalcomedy.com, yeah. all the social media at EMT or ECT at EMT. And uh, yeah, David, so great to see you. Hey, thank you so much. Thank for you so much for coming on, Amy. You're awesome. I love you. Talk to you I soon. I love you back. Bye. Take care. Bye, Dave.